I could take out of my life everything except my experiences at St. Andrew, and I still have a rich, full life. But the last tee shot I hit was more like it, that one in the playoff. Against Biden and Ray. That's right. The best thing to win the Masters, you, you will be here forever, as long as, as you are still alive, so that's the best thing. I'm very happy. Welcome to Talking Golf History. We are about to dive into the history of one of our greatest golf course architects. But his story, unlike the stories of Donald Ross, Alistair McKenzie, and A.W. Tillinghast, Perry Maxwell's story is not well known and his body of work is not talked about enough. Today on our show, we welcome Colton Craig, golf course architect and the author of a new book about the designs of Perry Maxwell. The book, Miles of Maxwell, is due to be released in the upcoming months. Here is a short excerpt from Colton's yet-to-be-released book. Perry Maxwell's life is a great story of overcoming adversity and heartbreak to trailblaze a profession that hardly existed before him. At the time, golf course architecture was mostly associated with independent wealthy men from the Northeast. As a Midwesterner, Maxwell broke the norm and is now referred to as the father of Oklahoma golf. From emotional hardship, financial hurdles, and physical handicaps, Perry Maxwell accounted for a noteworthy career in golf architecture that has been mostly untold. Perry Maxwell lived arguably through the most diverse time in American history. After his death, many in golf architecture believed that it was the end of the golden age and the beginning of the dark ages of golf design. He leaves behind a legacy of golf for all from rural and welcoming golf to elite and private golf, from championship golf to destination golf, Harry Maxwell's universal designs appear well in all company. Without further ado, let's jump right in to my talk with author, golf course architect, and Perry Maxwell expert, Colton Craig. Colton, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hey, thanks for having me on. This is this will be fun and uh, makes me feel makes me feel cool and important for a moment. But uh, yeah, thanks for uh, mentioning the book. It's a it's a story about me and my travels to all the Perry Maxwell golf courses that still exist and highlighting the the golf courses and do a brief history uh, architectural audit and. Uh, just a lot of cool graphics and maps that I've found and old irrigation as-builts I've found in the bottom of maintenance sheds. Just fun stuff like that. Lots of graphics. Try to keep the writing to a minimum for everyone's sake. But uh, but yeah, so it was, a, it was a fun little journey. It took me about three and a half weeks and uh, still in the process of writing it. Hoping to have it wrapped up. Ambitious timeline would be uh, would be around Christmas time. More realistic is probably Father's Day 21, which is almost more appropriate because Perry Maxwell 
finished the second nine holes of Dornick Hills in 1921. So it'll almost be like the centennial of him completing. Coming all the way around. And also kind of Father's Day, kind of being at Prairie Dunes. You know, this is the ultimate father-son collaboration. So I don't know. Just kind of interesting thought I just had. But You took quite the trip to get here. Uh, You had been to Prairie Dunes before, and we're sitting at Prairie Dunes Country Club. You had walked the course before, but you'd never played it. No, today today was the first time I'd I'd played the course. Walked it twice before, uh, taking my notes on the greens. I love the greens out here. The second hole is a uh, is my absolute favorite par three in the world, and I was lucky enough to to get away with the two today on it. That so. was an amazing two. So, I should have had so, a two for the so, record. Yeah, Let's you should have. I'm like a two and a half. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we round up to three apparently. Right. Colton, uh, I understand you took 11 hours to get here to join us at Prairie Dunes to play and to obviously do this this show. Where are we coming from? And uh, tell us a little reason of the why. Yeah, 11 hours, that's that's one of the longest drives I think I've done, if not the longest. Um, You know, those funny memes you see on the internet where it's like, what my boss thinks I do, what my wife thinks I do, what I actually do, you know, what my friends think I do. For golf course architects, you know, the one that what I actually do should just be someone on a windshield driving. Oh, so I, true. It's about a thousand miles a week right now for me. And uh, anyways, came from uh, Park City, Kentucky. I'm building my first first golf course uh, there. And uh, with my partner, Brian Ross, we're partnering up on it. And uh, we're really excited about it. We think it's going to, you know, be a huge success and it's going to be open to the public. And hopefully, you know, the green fee will be right around $60. Nice. And so very affordable. And we're, we're really excited about it. Kentucky just has beautiful land. So we really didn't have to do much to make the course great, you know. And uh, what's also kind of another interesting thought is it's about Park City is about an hour and a half from Princeton, Kentucky, which is where Perry Maxwell was born and and grew up and then he uh spent his his younger 20s in his in paducah which is very close to park city in bowling green area and driving here to to uh hutchinson kansas where uh you know humble hutch where prairie dune sits is uh, you know arguably his greatest design he ever created that's what he said um those are his words so but you said something about the greens today, I believe, right? Crystal Downs better not come after me for that. <laughs> Absolutely. But you said something really complimentary about the greens here earlier today. Right. I, 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 think it, I personally think it's the, uh, the, the best 18 greens collectively that I've seen. Now, yeah. I still have a lot to see. Um, I'm not as well-traveled as a lot of my peers and like yourself, but it's the best I've seen. You know, the, we're finished shaping our greens out there in Kentucky and you know, playing this course today, I was just like, damn it. These are so much better than what we just, <laughs> uh, I thought so, you were going to say, these are the second best AT no, greens. No, no, no <laughs> that no. would have been the way to go. Uh, yeah. Harry Maxwell might've said that. Right. right. <laughs> or yeah. Or, or yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> no kidding. But, um, yeah, it was just interesting thinking like it, yeah, this took me 11 hours, but what it took from, you know, 1919 or 1913 till 1937, how long of a lifetime of work it took Maxwell to get to this point, 11 hours is nothing. Yeah. And so it was almost a, a meditative drive. It, it almost, it, it went by pretty quick, actually. Yeah, that's great. Not for us, 
But <laughs> we were like, where's Colton? I, I don't know where he's at. Walk me through your fascination with, with Perry Maxwell. You've, you've done so much in your early career that's been geared towards Perry Maxwell, including writing a book. How did that all begin? You can't live in Oklahoma and not hear the name Perry Maxwell, even if you're a non-golfer. He, it's just, I think there's 25 clubs. Most of them are, you know, the, the small town country clubs, just like what the one we're sitting in right now. It's just, they're not all on perfect sites like this. Small town, big world. Yeah, not, not, many, not many golf courses are on sites like this. Um, there are many sites like this. There's just not necessarily golf courses on them, or at least yet. So you can't live in Oklahoma and not hear the name. So I, I started working maintenance in high school and caddying at Southern Hills, which is, you know, his, one of his crown jewels. You know, we're all familiar with the championships, I'm sure. So that kind of started the juices flowing. And actually, believe it or not, the, 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 the family nine or the West nine that they call it there, I believe... Now, be careful on podcasts because it's permanent, but I believe it is Core and Crenshaw's very first design together. Hmm. Not necessarily necessarily renovation, but new course. It was the old polo field over there. They built nine new holes that are are still there today, and uh, it's awesome. You know, it's really good. So Gil Hans, uh, not too long ago, did a, a restoration over at Southern Hills. What are your thoughts on Gil Hans' work over there? I mean... He, he's he's number one in the business for a reason and you know he hit another home run and uh he's got some super talented guys working for him that are around my age and and uh he also gets fantastic budgets and you know it's, it's sure a, it's an testament to his ability to to uh demand that because mm-hmm. he's that good yeah uh yeah he knocked it out of the park uh, the there there's maybe one thing that I would have done a little bit differently, but I mean, uh, we're going to have to hear that. I'm no, sorry. I mean, it, <laughs> you I'm, cannot volunteer that. What would you've done? Gil's not listening right now. Gil, I'm sorry about this. If you want to come on the podcast anytime, you're welcome. No, yeah, right. <laughs> Much bigger name than Colton Craig. Uh, just for now, Colton, <laughs> just for now. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know about that, but, um, the second hole has these cross bunkers that I thought maybe could have been moved further and become more in play. For today's player, well, is that the thought? the second hole is also the hardest hole in the course. Yeah. So the, my suggestion would make the hole even harder. So, like, let's, you know, let's start there. So maybe it's maybe that's a wrong decision. It's already a tough enough golf course. One, two, three kicks you in the teeth right off the bat. Yeah. There's no handshake on that golf course. Yeah, right. Um, but there's these cross bunkers that aren't in play anymore, and it's a split fairway. He, re- he restored the, the dual fairway, which is so cool. But there, in my opinion, there's no real reason to ever even consider going left because these bunkers that were in play, uh, you know, in 1936 are, are they're not even considered anymore. So everyone's going to go right, which is fine. I mean, and, and you can have the, the split fairway for historical reasons, which is, I, th- I think is a good enough reason. But if you really wanted to restore the strategy, I mean, the, the, the senior PGA championship is coming there in, in 21, which is coming up faster than we know it. And hopefully it happens, you know, who knows in this world we're in right now, but um, so that'll be exciting. And then the, the PGA championship is coming there in, in 2030. And I just thought it would have been really cool if there was a true dilemma on the split fairway. Sure. Uh, 
which there's almost always going to be a preferred route. And architects always talk about, and architecture enthusiasts always talk about options and angles. And a lot of it's honestly, there's always going to be a preferred way to play a hole. And even even Alistair, the great Alistair McKenzie's Lido hole, which I know you're very familiar with. Yeah, very. You made one of the coolest videos I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a great hole. And I, uh, there's lines going everywhere and it looks awesome. But at the end of the day, after playing it, three, four times, you're going to know the best way to play that hole. So, uh, you know, I, like, let's go back to it. I mean, Gil did an unbelievable job. And we don't know the circumstances. The membership might have said, well, no, you're not touching that. We don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the only thing I, I don't say, I don't, I don't want to say it's the only thing I would have done differently. I'm just saying it's the only thing I, it's the only thing I like think about where I'm like, that would have been interesting. But I mean, but overall it, stunning. It, oh, it's a home run. It's a home run. And, uh, you know, Southern Hills deserves everything they get. And, you know, it should climb the rankings. It was slipping there for a little bit. And, um, you know, the, the great membership, you know, there's not a, not a snobby, not a snobby bone there, which I think is reflective of a lot of Maxwell clubs. But yeah, I mean, he did a great job and there it's, it's going to be a great test to golf for sure. So our, our friends at the fried egg and feed the ball podcast, uh, have long touted Perry Maxwell is one of the most underrated golf course architects, which is obviously hard to believe because there are so many great Maxwell golf courses. What are your thoughts on that? Is he underrated just because he's under uh, appreciated or under talked about? How would you respond to that? Well, I don't, I don't think there's any way Perry Maxwell can be overrated. I'll, I'll start with that. Sure. It's a great way to put um, it. Underrated. He's, I feel like that's kind of, I mean, you just mentioned like two of the biggest media outlets for golf architecture, both have called him underrated. So I, you can only be called underrated for so long until you're not underrated. And when Ben Crenshaw says, you know, he's his favorite golden age golf architect, I, I don't know how you could be underrated yeah. with that being said. I think said. Bill Kaur says uh, uh, Old Town's like his favorite course. I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he played he played at Wake Forest, right? And then um, uh, Ben Crenshaw grew up at the old Austin Country Club, and, which was a Perry Maxwell. And uh, it's, it's uh, a little it's changed quite a bit. It's a strange situation. It's, it's like owned by the community college now. I, you know, it, there's, it's just golf's weird like that. It is weird. You never know what's going to happen. Perry's story of becoming a, a golf course architect is a unique one. It, it may be, I, it, perhaps it's only unique when we put on uh, our modern day 2020 hat. Uh, when you consider that um, Harry Colt was a lawyer, uh, Seth Rayner was an engineer. Could you dive in a little bit about how Perry Maxwell became a golf course architect like what did he do before how did that transition come about because it's a it's a fascinating story that involves one of the great golden age architects as well right so perry moved from paducah to ardmore oklahoma which is about an hour and a half south of where i currently live in oklahoma city he was a banker there he had a wealthy uncle who i believe didn't have any children so he inherited a lot of money so that helps you that know. certainly doesn't hurt matters. Yes. Yeah. That, that helps. And so he was a, a really good tennis player. Really? And around, he was started to get older. He was, he was around 30 or so. And he, he had a family at this point. And his body was starting to kind of wear out. And his wife was taking note of it. She showed him the cover of the Scribner magazine that had National Golf Links of America on it in 1913. Or maybe it was 14. 
let's say 13. He called C.B. McDonald. I don't know how he got a hold of him. Uh, I don't know how the world worked back then. A little bit different than a DM. And uh, But he got a hold of C.B. McDonald, um, went up to NGLA. I don't know. It's probably spent a couple of days up there with him. Came back and, and built four golf holes on his dairy farm uh, on what is now Dornick Hills in Ardmore. What's really interesting about Ardmore, it, it's an old oil town. And in fact, at one point, it had more millionaires per capita in the world than any city in, in the world. Really? Yeah. It's no longer the case, but there's still some old money around there, and it, it's still a charming little town. That's fascinating. But yeah. So he, he, uh, can, he, he kind of had this golf course as a hobby. You know, it, just, it was probably the, a really rough rendition. It was, probably wouldn't even consider it golf today. But he played around with that with his friends, and then his wife was always encouraging him to go build golf courses for other communities because she saw how much enjoyment that they were getting out of it. Anyways, Perry starts building on the course more and more, and the, the first four holes were what's now kind of the back nine partly of the This would be nine. Dornick Hills, correct? Yes, yeah. What would become yes. Dornick Hills? And she tragically died in 1919. Right. Uh, I believe her spleen ruptured, if I remember correctly. And uh, that was back before they had uh, antibiotics to... to you know, I think it was just well, the infection. Or yeah, whatever. absolutely. And anyway, so he kind of, he kind of, I'm guessing went a little mad, just kind of took her up on it. And from 1919 to 1952, he had arguably the best run and success in golf architecture history. Probably never will. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was the consultant at Augusta National, Cypress Point and Pine Valley all at the same time. I doubt that'll ever happen again. Yeah, that's an amazing accomplishment in itself, right? Yeah, and he didn't do much at Cyprus. He he did some bunker reduction, but I mean, he, he touched it, so it counts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was 1937. It just came in and uh, tweaked. I think was it just one or is three holes? I think it was three holes. Uh, I honestly couldn't. Yeah, it's amazing though. I mean, he touches three courses like that, and you know, really puts his own stamp. I mean, if if you did just that, that'd be quite the career. Right. Right. Yeah. If you did yeah, just that, enough. forget Prairie Dunes and Southern Hills. But after his wife died, it was years after his wife died, he took what might be called today a sabbatical right. to uh, the British Link styles, the Scottish courses, the United Kingdom. What do we know, if anything? How did that transform him as an architect? Did it? Maybe is the first question. Did that change the way he looked at golf design coming from? essentially looking at National Golf Links, which took inspiration from a lot of those holes. Sure, yeah. NGLA was the initial inspiration, which a lot of people, you know, credit McKinsey for really kind of influencing him. But his initial inspiration was uh, McDonald, which, you know, is, is an interesting conversation. But the he went on his trip in 1923, which I plan on getting a group of guys to go over there in 2023. Oh, very and, cool. And uh, kind of try to... Vaughn and I that. will be there. Yeah, yeah. Take a, take a month or so and, and, and you know, save up enough and just kind of have the, the fund ready so it doesn't, doesn't hurt too bad in the moment. Uh, I, you know, that's an interesting question. I, and I've sadly never even considered it uh, to myself. And I'd have to go look at his course list and I'd have to go look at... Pre and post? Pre and post. Yeah, it'd be and, fascinating, wouldn't and, it? And then... But also, like, he started working with McKinsey right around that time. So it's hard to it, – there, there's, there's probably about a three-year gap. There's probably only, like, one or two courses where there's post-Scotland and pre-McKinsey. 
And, yeah. and so that, that's the one that we need to pinpoint and look at and say, Hey, there's some, there's some interesting stuff. Yeah, what's here. going on here that might've been, you know, but he, I mean, he had, um, you know, he, he often had the, the first and 18th hole or the first and ninth hole have a, have a shared fairway, which, yeah. you know, is, is very primal as we all know to the old course. And, um, so he, he definitely applied a lot of those concepts and, but yeah, interesting question. I do know Henrietta country club which is they didn't even know they were a maxwell course until a year and a half ago but he there was he was the last course he did before going to scotland like he left the course to go to scotland and you certainly see some more engineered like features on that design versus where we are here today which yeah. is much more of the minimalistic nat- natural yeah scape absolutely and, so yeah, great question though. How quickly did he come into his own? And and I guess that's not from his perspective, but from the public's. Like, how soon did it take the public to realize this is something special? Um So much in life is like who you surround yourself with, right? So there there's no way Maxwell would have had the success he had if he hadn't attached himself to Alistair McKenzie. So Maxwell was known in Oklahoma and then McKenzie kind of brought him national and McKenzie died. And then there were all these, you know, the phone's still ringing the yeah. demand. We were starting to get out of the depression at that point, you know what I mean? And, and we were working our way out of it and the, you know, so, and there was that kind of Goldilocks period, you know, like pre world war two yeah. post depression where he, he, he was the man. And I, th- I think so. Uh, he, he was, I, I think he was um, just as talented. I think a certain amount of any art, you know, whether it be filmmaking or podcasting uh, or, or just straight painting. But I think any, any artist is uh, somewhat has a natural ability. And so his first, his first projects are, you know, some of his best. And I, I, I th- I'm pretty sure I've heard Tom Doak say that he thinks the best course he ever po- built was High Point was his very first so the talent was always there and you, and you gotta you gotta obviously develop it and, and and keep the keep the sword sharp but as far as being known and and really coming to is what you said um i think a lot of that had to do with mckenzie there's no yeah. way it didn't there's no yeah. way it didn't yeah and there's some it, fortune there too mckenzie was a celebrity yeah he was a celebrity i i think of some of the four i mean it's the misfortune of others and the and the fortune for for him is in that short period of time, that golden age or the end of the golden age, you have Alistair McKenzie passes away, Charles Blair McDonald passes away, Seth Rayner passes away, and there's a void. Right. Right? I mean, there's a massive void out there. Donald Ross is doing a lot of work towards, you know, in the Depression, he's sticking a lot into the, the Pinehurst area. Yeah. And he, there's an opportunity, even though work is sparse, there's an opportunity to prove yourself. Yeah. The analogy I always kind of think of is, is sort of... That's kind of stupid, but Lieutenant... We're Dan, all about stupid. <laughs> Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump, you know, they survived the storm. Yeah. They got through the Depression, and then they, you know, Bubba Gumps, you know. Yeah, so all the shrimps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, All of a sudden, these golf courses, like the shrimp, are all over the place with the availability to, to design. Right. And, I, you know, I feel similar about where we are currently after what happened in 2008 and, and what happened to golf then. And so it, it's one of those things where you just kind of kind of hold on and... I don't have the ability. I personally don't have a skill set to do anything else. 
So you're an architect. So, so it's uh, be damned. It's, it's, be yeah, damned if not. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's. Uh, it is what it is, I guess. So we, we spoke a little bit about his partnership with Alistair McKenzie. Maybe dive into, if you can, how that materialized and maybe some of the great work that they did together. That kind of, I mean, let's say it, it's fair to say that Alistair McKenzie gets a lot of credit for Maxwell's work uh, because of the work he did at some of these courses. But maybe dive in a little bit of that. Yeah, credit in this business has always been a funny thing, you know. Associates, design associates, yeah. Doing work out there. I mean, yeah. Even Pine Valley, there's like debates, you know. I mean, five, seven, eight, ten different architects offering right. opinions. Uh, but it was definitely McKinsey Maxwell, right? That's what that was. What their letterhead said, and uh, so it was very clear who who had the final veto. I guess I'm kind of losing track of what your question was. Are you saying like what was McKinsey's influence on him, or like I, we could or, go there? Certainly, I guess it was more of let's talk about their work together. Like some of the courses they touched upon. What? Yeah, so let's he, go this way. What courses did they work together on, and what influences of Perry Maxwell do you see gotcha. in those works? Gotcha. So McKinsey. Backing up just a little bit, McKinsey came to the United States to kind of go on his tour in like 22 or 23, and he saw a lot, right? I'm sure he went to Pinehurst. Um, Seemed like him and Ross seemed to butt heads for some reason, but he, he went and saw three Maxwell courses. He went and saw what at the time I believe was called Lakeview Country Club in Paducah, Kentucky, which they didn't even know was a Maxwell course until a year and a half ago wow. when we found it in the wow. newspaper clipping. Well, there was a there's a state park there called Kentucky Dam Village where there's a Maxwell course. And then I was just on Google Earth and I was like, that's really cool looking routing nearby. And um, I started looking at, at the routing and, and the club. And, and then I looked up the club on the website and they, 1923, you know, was listed architect none i'm like not without routing you know and maxwell lived there like 10 years before that you know it's like he had to have had some connections to the guys that were wanting to build a golf course sure. there uh, i was like he's got it and then i you know jordan kelly great guy um he runs the the perry maxwell um twitter page found found the clipping of of it being a maxwell and and then later we found that mckenzie traveled to, to paducah and then he came to oklahoma city and saw Twin Hills, which is a fantastic Perry Maxwell golf course that no one knows about. It even hosted a PGA Championship, like, in the 30s. And then he went to Ardmore and saw Dornick Hills. Saw those three golf courses and said, you're my guy. So, so after McKenzie had seen those three early Maxwell designs, um, I, I guess he called them or, and telegraphed them. Yeah. And said, hey, you're my guy. I want you to do everything east of the Rocky Mountains for me. And you know, Robert Hunter will do West and, and let's, let's, you know, take over the nation. And so they, they went off to, um, the second project that McKenzie did in the United States was a course in Philadelphia, uh, a Jewish club, Mel- Melrose, uh, JC Melrose or something like that. Um, and it still, it still exists today. It, it's, uh, it's been broken up and there's probably, you know, six, seven holes that still exist, but, um, you know, that the road's been built through it. Like, can you feel the McKenzie oh Maxwell? Gosh. Well, and, and there's a great letter, uh, McKenzie wrote about how, you know, Maxwell designed something like he's, he's the best imitator of nature. I'll send it to you. He, he basically gave Maxwell the highest praise possible. He ba- he basically conceded 
this guy's better than me. Wow. Yeah. High praise. Al- Alistair McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, high praise. And he wasn't necessarily the most humble guy in the no, world. No, he was not. Um, and so uh, it's really cool. What's now the second hole was the ninth hole, and it's an all-world Perry Maxwell rumpled fairway, long par four. It is just so cool. And uh, anyways, so, yeah, they, they they did that. They did the U of M course. They they did Ohio State. Yeah, the kind Scarlet. Of. Yeah. Um, Whoa, rewind, kind of. Well, I think they had less – I forget exactly what it was, but yeah. I don't think they were able to use, like, their construction company or something. Gotcha. So um, they were less involved. School politics. Sure. And uh, But they did U of M, and, which is really, really great golf course yeah that that is public and you can get on for 50 bucks and, yeah and you know it's there there's some things that are kind of wrong with it right now but i think over time they'll, they'll adjust a few things here and there there's a massive pond on the 18th hole that's that needs to go but um it's uh, i'm trying to think what else they did together well let's let's go to this so mckenzie passes away yeah and perry maxwell is out there on his own how does he capitalize? Where does he go from there? You know, how's he set out to Augusta make a name for himself? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nineteen thirty-seven. Have, 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 have right. you heard of it? <laughs> yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Maxwell, I think he he was able to combine the. There, there's kind of these two schools of thought, just in general, right? You have uh, the engineer of C. M. E. McDonald, and you have the artist of Alistair McKenzie, right? You kind of have those yin and yang things. Um, even in the game, you know, you have Bubba Watson, you have DeChambeau, and I'm sure the analogies can go on till forever. But so I, I think Maxwell was able to to combine those two in a, in a very uh, practical. Practical is a good word. You know, he was just able to combine the two styles without going too far on either direction. You know, Seth Rayner is known for being what bold. That's the word you always hear about yep. Seth Rayner: bold. I don't know if Maxwell ever did anything I would consider bold, you know? Um, you see like cool land formations, but it's not necessarily like, you know, that was manufactured. It's, very, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and so even though some of it very much was. Absolutely. But so uh, I, I just think he was able to combine those two schools of thought really well. And that's what I'm kind of trying to do myself. And I kind of feel like we're, we're currently – still having that same very much that same debate in golf architecture today as that they were having a hundred years ago as far as what's what's the best way to, to do it and i i like to think somewhere in the middle i, I agree 100 percent. by the way i think that if everything is minimalist and everything is open then everything is the same and we lose that ability to like set ourselves apart you know you don't see bold features. I, I, I'm fine. I know there is a, a contingent of people who are, will poo-poo a fully designed, you know, Langford Moreau, Seth Rayner type course because they say it's not natural. It's not, you know, it's not minimal. Right. And, I, and I think I'd argue that golf design has always been an art form one way or the other. Right. And it's okay to be bold because if everything's the same, you know, where's the value in that? Right. And, and, uh, I saw a new course a year ago, uh, Arcadia Bluff South, that Dana Fry did. Absolutely. And I thought it was, you know, maybe the coolest course I saw on my Michigan trip. And I saw Kingsley Club and Crystal Downs on those. And, and you know, it, it, it's, 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 bold, it's the definition of bold, right? And, yeah. And, it's, and it's, um, it's very clean 
if you want to talk about it positively, yeah. if you want to, if you want to talk about it negatively, it's sterile, you know, but I, 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 I really loved it. And also one thing I didn't, that I also loved, loved about it is that, you know, there were all these, all the promotion that they did for the club for that course was kind of drone footage. Sure. But whenever you see it in person, it, it doesn't photograph well, mm-hmm. but it, but it's so cool to see in person. I mean, it's, it's like to seeing be a fair, cool green. To be fair, I mean, I think you could say some of that is true here at Prairie Dunes. A photo never captures the true beauty of any given one of these holes. I, we talked today right. when we were playing that it's so hard to take a photograph of a great green. Like you lose all the intricacies and right. in, in like um, slopes and fissures and cracks and, you know, tweaks that go into a beautiful green that just gets lost in a flat image. And for that, I think I, I totally get what you're saying there. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm not concerned, you know, golf architecture is not a true concern in this world, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm concerned that, um, in golf architecture, we're, we're going a direction where almost we're designing too much for the photograph and, you know, a crazy bunker gets you, more reaction on social media and i get that you know and it you want to get those um fake internet points is what i call them uh to to promote yourself everyone is right i mean it's uh it's 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 a weird world but some of some of my favorite golf courses i've ever been to do not photograph well yeah and i'm worried that in modern golf architecture we're doing we're we're doing too much you know and and it's like i don't know i the the wiggly lined bunkers uh, I, I just I just think it's overdone at this point. Are we living in a world of maximized minimalism, where we take something that is minimalistic to look at, but it has maximized feature that are inputs, yeah for for, for minimal, photographs, if for, you will, in your case, aesthetics, yeah, or, or minimal appeal, yeah, um, or maximum appeal and minimalistic you know features, I suppose. Sure, um, but the maintenance is huge. Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting debate, and like I said, it's the one they've been having for forever. But uh, I've seen superintendents, you know, working with those with those bunkers that are wiggly edged all over the place, blown out. Yeah, there, there's well, there's a difference between like what we see here at Prairie Dunes, where the wiggly edge is the actual gunch. You know, the actually clean, maintained edges out yeah. here are pretty pretty uh circular you yeah know, or you know it's pretty rounded and so there there's nothing wrong with that and i think that's i think that's the best look you know and that is that is the true yin and yang so i mean prairie dunes it's again i, I keep using these really strange analogies but like with blue jeans you know if you go to abercrombie you'll see the like pre-worn and i think that's some of what you're seeing being input in today and but then, like places like Prairie Dunes, it's like that's where that, that, those jeans are like the farmers' jeans that are actually worn. Yeah, they've you been know, earned. It's authentic. You know, <laughs> it's earned, right? Uh, so, it's an interesting debate on whether or not you're supposed to make a bunker look natural or not. It all it's all site driven, right? And and a bunker on a clay based golf course on clay on clay soil, which let's be honest, is most of golf, and not everyone gets to play on sand, right? Not everyone has that luxury or that luck, and. A, a bunker is the least natural thing you would see. I was going to say that, right. So why on earth would you try to make that look natural? Because you know, there's no sand under most of these courses. Right. Like here, they're actually, we sit on a dune. There right. would be sand. You dig down, there's sand. Oh, yeah. But you go to parts of Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, wherever, 
not necessarily the sand hills in Nebraska, but you dig down, it's dirt. Right. And then it's clay and then it's rock. So like making something natural that just isn't natural, the truly natural thing would be no bunkers. Sure. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, probably what's going to win best new course this year is a uh, sheep ranch. Absolutely. The new core Crenshaw. Yeah. We're really not talking about Maxwell. That's right. Anymore. I'm coming back to uh, it when you finish this. So you're fine. But, but um, oh, we can talk about bunkerless Maxwell courses. But she, you know, Sheep Ranch will probably, or I, I'm not trying to uh, crown anyone yet, but I, I would assume that Sheep Ranch is going to be a front runner and winning best new course of the year. And they don't have a they don't have a bunker on the golf course, and I bet it's a blast to play. I mean, it certainly helps that they're on a mile of Pacific coastline. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Changes the Dunner. game Dunner. a little bit. Doesn't hurt versus being in like an inner city. But I mean, it's still it's a great golf. I mean, it looks like it at least. Did Perry Maxwell have any bunker list courses? Did he design any? Yeah. I mean, out of necessity, right? I mean, a lot of his work was in rural Oklahoma during the Depression. I mean, uh, there, and the, the Dust Bowl, uh, it, it, was, it was something he often did or, or would have one bunker per nine holes or, you know, there, he very often had a bunkerless golf hole and very often did not have fairway bunkering. A lot of the fairway bunkering on his golf courses today were added in the 50s. Interesting. So how did he, ch- he challenged people with the terrain versus the hazard? Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, and you see that at the eighth hole here, right? And uh, the ninth hole, I mean, um, the 13th hole at Southern Hills, uh, the 17th hole at Southern Hills. I mean, the, his fairway contouring, I think, is, is the best. And it's another one of those things that doesn't photograph particularly well, but it yeah. is massively... Um, massively affecting to the game. And, and I, I do think, yeah, that the equalizer you said where, you know, it, it kind of, it can, you can do it in a way where you're sort of punishing the long player and, and sort of letting the, the lesser distance guy sort of catch up. Um, so, I, it, which is an interesting debate in the game today too. Yeah. So, hey, I think one of the other fascinating things we talked about a little bit earlier was the variety of work of Perry Maxwell. Uh, you mentioned earlier, he, he touched upon Cypress Point, Southern Hills, uh, Augusta National, Pine Valley, but he also did publicly accessible courses. And I, I think you made a point earlier about how accessible he was or his work was yeah. compared to the other, other, other architects. Name one top 10 golden age golf course architect that's more accessible. His courses are more accessible than Perry Maxwell. Uh, I don't think there is one. And as far as original designs, um, not renovations, obviously, you know, Pine Valley and, you know, Augusta and Cypress are a different animal, but I I just, I don't, I don't know if there is, maybe there is, and I, and I just haven't seen it yet, but even he just, it's mostly just really humble, small town country clubs and, and, and just occasional university, which are, are typically public and, and even, even his, like, even his, like, crown jewels, right? Like, Prairie Dunes, where we are today. I mean, there's they're some of the most hospitable people in the world. I, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I think this is the best membership in golf. Yeah. Right here. And I'll go on the record saying that. We've, we've talked to and, a lot of them. They've been fantastic people. Yeah. And then there's just, just the combination of the national and local and... You Small know, town, oh right? Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah. it's just... It's Midwest. Just, yeah. And, you know, the, the millionaires next to the the you know the the i don't know the butcher the baker the candlestick maker yeah, right yeah right and it's just it's it's just it's just so cool and it's 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 not usual and i wish it was but there's even southern hills which is often looked at as very exclusive in the state of oklahoma relatively speaking na- nationwide 
very very accessible and and like very welcoming you know and and so it, i i i just think that's i don't know if that's a testament to perry maxwell but you are who you choose to work with and um he he definitely chose to work with some some really cool clubs and, and really cool memberships and yeah those are memberships that are 100 years later and but culture's culture and and it and and it sticks sticks with clubs yeah i think we were talking about this uh last night a little bit and i and it really struck a tone for me especially uh growing up in iowa is that perry maxwell putting his his thumbprints on cyprus and pine valley and augusta national but he was also a forward thinker in golf and you talked a little bit about vinker in the Iowa State golf course and something he did there that we're talking about doing today, which I, I just, I had never heard of that in that golden age or just after the golden age of how to use a golf course. Maybe jump into that. Cause I didn't know that story. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, there, there's, that's certainly a cool, but yeah, as far as him being a forward thinker, I mean, he was talking about 300 yard drives 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so but yeah, as far as the the Iowa State um, University, his original plans and they were followed and, and built that way originally. Um, it was a true recreational space for the students. Um, you know, it wasn't some exclusive course for the team to go win as many national championships as humanly possible. Yeah. And no one truly has access to it. You know, there, there's a lot of that going on, but. Iowa State was supposed to be like this true recreational ground where there was like nature trails and picnic picnic areas and and like campgrounds and and uh, all kinds of cool stuff and uh, you know biking trails and you know that is that is absolutely what we are talking about today in public yeah, golf. Yeah, so amazing, least. absolutely. As far as like municipal golf, I know Andy Staples is a friend of yours. And yeah, he's a uh, he's a uh, kind of the the leader of the charge in that regard and talking about making a com- community a golf versus yeah. municipal golf and um you know attracting non-golfers and you know it's a large green space uh, and if a city's gonna provide that it, you know it, it, frankly it sh- there should be an area for you to walk your dog you know um it shouldn't be a subsidized country club for the 70 year olds that are retired and- but it's fascinating though right that no, that is so done cool. way back then has that forward thinking yeah and we're just trying to get back yeah. there today we're just now getting there yeah and uh yeah it's super cool and uh what a great property that is. So Perry Maxwell, um, Midwestern work ethic, but he also had some strong opinions. I think you know where I'm going here. Maybe talk a little bit about maybe his thoughts on other golf works across the United States. I'm going to let you say it. Oh, come on. I don't even know the actual verbiage. These are his words, not yours. uh, His words, not yours. Just say he called, uh, no, we gotta get that mic there. What was that? He's trying to he's trying to evade, folks. It's an Oakmont quote. You're this is camera. this is not Colton Craig talking. This is there. not Colton Craig. So, this is so Perry Maxwell. Say, oh, you want me to say it? Perry Maxwell, humble man, Midwestern work ethic, uh, but he wasn't without opinions. He once said that. Oakmont Country Club was the ugliest golf course he'd ever seen. Thoughts, comments, uh, Oakmont, I don't agree with him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where, that, uh, where his motivation in saying that was. Maybe, 
I don't know, maybe they had snubbed him at one point and it was kind of his way of, of getting back at him. But he doesn't, he doesn't seem like the type of guy to do something like that. But uh, let's just take it at face value that he's being genuine in yeah. this year and that he truly thought that it was the ugliest golf course he'd ever seen, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, with all the courses out there, uh, absolutely. I think him being a, a, a minimalist as far as bunkering and he, he, didn't, he didn't bunker much. And which I also think is he was ahead of his time there. I mean, uh, I keep keep mentioning uh, Doak, but you know what he just did at Memorial Park. I think they had what like seventeen bunkers. Yeah, in the very few. Golf Augusta National originally had nineteen. Yeah, twenty-two. Yeah, and then now it has forty-four. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, short grass as a hazard is a great thing. Um, but he, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it had to deal with the the bunkers and like maybe the uniformity of church the, pews of definitely church aren't pews yeah are like, of yeah. the minimalistic style yeah so but he also did you know he, he did grassy islands too so uh, who knows um it may have been a misquote you know uh, the caught him on a bad day i've been misquoted you know sure. everyone's you know so it's like who knows how bad it was then you know yeah. so but or, or yeah just caught him on a bad day but no it's certainly interesting because like he didn't that's he, not really in character though right no, where well, he would just Maybe it was. Uh, we don't Quoted. Know, we, yeah, that's we, true. We don't really know Maxwell, do we? I mean, I've had conversations with his granddaughter to an extent, but, but she was nine when he passed away. Um, and he didn't write. He didn't write about himself. Like, yeah. Like uh, Ross wrote a book. McDonald wrote a book. McKenzie obviously wrote his book. Um, yeah, we don't have the words of Rainer or Maxwell, really. T- Tillinghast wrote a lot, but he didn't necessarily write a book. Um, and, and so, but may- maybe he was... Uh, you know the 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 Tom Doak before Tom Doak, and just <laughs> the confidential guide according to Perry Maxwell. Yeah, if that that yeah. book comes out, that's like in some cupboard right now. <laughs> that will stun the world, right? Yeah, yeah. He just Perry Maxwell goes off on the greatest golf courses across the country. Yeah. That would be fantastic. So hold your breath. Let's yeah, probably not. Especially like we we talked about the lady. But yeah. So uh, to answer your coming. question, I think I think it's just the probably the 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 amount of bunkering and. Uh, and he and he throughout his career didn't wasn't a, didn't do that himself. Yeah. So I'm guessing I'm guessing he wasn't a fan. Yeah. Oakmont is certainly built on the penal style. It is a championship style course. Um, walk a little bit. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about Prairie Dunes because we played here today, and then we'll we'll kind of come to an end here as as we go on. But talk about Prairie Dunes. We had the chance. You drove 11 hours to get here. Um, we played this morning. Uh, beautiful weather had a really cool weird fog come in out of nowhere on the eighth and ninth hole that felt like the spirits of perry maxwell and former members that have passed from prairie dunes uh basically you know floating across the golf course what what were your takeaways from prairie dunes well like what really you've walked it before walking it's always different than playing it what was it like for you um Playing it was a blast. I mean, and and we walked we walked as we played, which I, I believe is the the, the right yeah. way to truly walked and talked. That was like yeah. I know Vaughn will say this too. Walking and talking with you, who loves Perry Maxwell, who studied his work, right? And hearing your thoughts on each hole. Well, we, I didn't, we didn't we didn't pull a pencil out once today. Which, yeah. Which you know. Yeah. It's just I don't know. It's just so enjoyable to play that way. And uh, we were just hitting balls around. We hit some really good shots. We hit some really bad shots. Yeah. But we were just having fun. You guys and, did. And yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but the the course, the greens, um, you know, I, I kind of – it played like I thought it would. Yeah. And uh, the greens were as fun as I thought it would be. And um, people always say, you know, there's – how can you truly judge a course after walking it once? I, I, normally my initial opinions, what my lasting opinion is sure. too. And so – um, playing it was fun, and I, I think I probably picked up on a few few new things that I thought were kind of cool. But it's just it's just uh, just a great golf course, and the greens are just so great. And can you build these greens anymore? I mean, could you can you could you build eighteen greens like this? Yeah, I, I, and it's it's ambitious. I yeah, mean, they're 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 really high quality, and um, I haven't seen it yet though. Or you know. Um, but, um, it's not, it's not like what they built is no longer buildable. Um, it's not like they had some like secret ancient technology that, right. No, yeah. Right. Um, so, but, uh, just had a blast. And, you know, one one thing that kind of stuck with me was when I was calling you last night to see where you were, you, you asked me if I was at the resort yet. And that, that word kind of, kind of made me smirk because it's like, if 80 years ago or whenever Maxwell's here in 37 uh, would have heard someone consider this place a resort. Right. I think Vaughn said that for the record. I don't uh, think it was, it was me. Vaughn. Okay. Well, it, it, I just, uh, there's no way he could have, Oh yeah. He could have visualized what this place became. This is a community club. And, yeah. and um, I just think it's really cool of how it's, how it's become and and you know 25 years ago or 20 years ago they they opened up the national membership which has just taken them to the next level um in a lot of ways financially uh 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 just general knowledge of the place you know it's just and it's very affordable but uh the on-site lodging you know it's just they've just done everything right and i i i've i've said you know i i've said in in other other situations that i i think Prairie Dunes is one of the most influential golf courses, if not the most influential golf course uh, in golf architecture history ever. Maybe not ever, but certainly of modern times, because without the success of this place, which let's be honest, was a, was a, was a one in a hundred chance for this place to be what it is today. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Small town, and rural. Without, without the success of Prairie Dunes, does, does, does Sand Hills get built? You know, does it? I don't know. And, and does is Mike Kaiser get the bug from being um, a founding member of Sand Hills and go build? You know, Bandon. Yeah, Bandon. And now, and now yeah. He's, you know, he's all over the Sand globe Hill now. or Sand Valley. Yeah. So I mean, you you can you can, and you don't even have to try that hard. Tie it back to Prairie Dunes as far as this what people are calling the second golden age, which is interesting, um, right? Because we give that credit maybe historically or even in modern times, we're giving that credit to Sand Hills when in fact it might be built on the backbone of the success of Prairie Dunes. Right. And it's, it's like, it's, it's the ultimate build it and they will come, you know, find a great site for golf and they will come. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just super exciting. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just, the, the locals here have just like, they have the, they have the lottery. Yeah, you know, they, they really hit, do. They, they hit the lot. They, I, I mean, I, under, I just want to go up to them and just grab them and say, do you know what you have? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. 
And they're just, you know, they're out there, out there every Tuesday playing golf in their men's, you know, group or their ladies group. And we were out there and we had uh, a foursome of ladies behind us today. And they were just, just playing fantastic golf. They're right behind us the whole time. And they seem to be having a great time and they're just enjoying their local club. And it's hard for me to imagine this is just their local club. Yeah. This, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's not usual. Colton, um, you know, golf for many years, for, for eons, has always had a father and son history to it, whether it's old Tom Morris and young Tom Morris or Willie Park Sr. And, and Willie Park Jr. This story is very much Perry and Press, right. right? And in that, there is this really cool transition from the golden age of architecture to what we're considering the modern age. Right. Can you dive in a little details of like how... How does that transition come about, and how did that flow? Yeah, um, so after the war, World War II, um, Press started working with his dad, and they, they did a couple of Air Force bases together, which I'm sure Press was able to provide those leads, and, and, and they did other work together. So Press spent a lot of time with his dad, and one of my favorite photographs ever is of Perry with Press and Dean Woods um, and their dog, out at the the construction site of Oakwood Country Club, and that's in Enid, Oklahoma, which is in West Oklahoma, a couple hours from here, a couple hours south of here. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal set of greens. Now they've shrunk, right. and I'm I'm currently consulting with them on expanding the greens. We're doing two a year. Great, and uh, but just unbelievable stuff there, untouched. And uh, anyways, there's this great photo of. Um, Perry pointing his cane because he had one leg at this point at at press and you you could just tell he was chewing at him but and uh, Dean Woods is in the background which by the way Dean Woods is a guy speak, speaking of someone who doesn't get enough credit um, partner in crime yeah I mean Dean Woods built this place Prairie Dunes yeah and the the story is Perry Perry waved his hands Dean built it so he was Dean Woods was his I think it was his cousin or he like Dean Woods married his, I don't know, yeah. something like so that. So if Perry is the, art, the artist, uh, Dean Woods is the, the brush. Yeah, can, right? yeah, yeah, basically. And um, so he did a lot of Perry's work. You know, he did Crystal Downs. You know, and there's, he's, he's, and there, that, that's true for our industry still today. Like a lot of the, a lot of the builders and contractors and shapers, they yeah. just, they, they don't, you know, they don't get the credit that Absolutely. they really deserve. Yeah. And, uh, Anyways, Dean Woods, uh, he's a guy who needs to be talked about more. But as far as uh, the transition from Golden Age to, to kind of post-World War II, you know, Maxwell worked from 1919 to 1952, and I don't think you can pick a more diverse economic period of time for those years. The Roaring Twenties, the Great Depression, World War II, and, and the mid-century modern, and Maxwell's design style re- reflects those time periods very closely in fact and so yeah w- once he kind of got post post world war ii his forms got became a lot more refined mm-hmm. a lot cleaner which if you go see any home built after after the war ii it's uh you know that a lot more straight lines and about you know the age of the suburb yeah yeah and so um you know kind of the what's now the augusta national look and so um and yeah, as far as the passing of the torch on at this property, you know, 1937, 20 years later, 
1957 press comes out and does the second nine holes five years after his dad passing i'm sure um i'm fortunate to still have a living father who's been you know the my my guidance in my whole life i can rely on him for anything and you know i i dread the day i lose him but i'm just imagining what kind of an emotional experience that had to have been for press absolutely um just five years i mean five years is not a long time and uh to, to be building the property that he considered his best work and to be adding on to it i, I mean what a weight it had to be on him too there was probably some angst right but i don't know I, it just had to have been a a, a a true emotional journey i feel like it would be for me yeah um but yeah, uh, and, he, and he did a great job. He I did, mean, right? And that's I, what people—he doesn't get enough credit for that, too. Yeah, I mean, and it's not a front nine, back nine, right? It's it's um, <laughs> it's kind of it's all jumbled together. And so, unless you really know what you're looking at, or if you're just, or or you think you know what you're looking at, you know, I, I, I you, you can't really tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you're if you're really trying, but I mean presses at par with his dad at least out here all right so before we finish i want to ask you at least one more question maybe two let's go to this we'll stick to perry maxwell uh, before we jump back into a question about your book i came across this article while i was researching about the perfect golf course envisioned by perry maxwell it says despite his pride in the hutchinson course maxwell now has a dream of building the perfect golf course He would construct it on the sandy dunes of New Jersey. He would provide an amphibian plane base so that the wealthy New Yorkers could ferry from the city to the golf course within two to three hours. He goes on to say that it's an undulating sandy dune site in New Jersey. Do we have any idea where that site was? And can we find it and build that perfect golf course? Yeah, right. I mean, that's a treasure hunt right there. Oh, for sure. You track those. Um, there, golf's kind of, golf history has a lot of those. It like, does. Like kind of those treasure hunt type deals. There's one in Cuba, in fact, that, that um, you know, really the only true directional sense that you have documented is like it's an hour and a half plane ride in like a two-seater. <laughs> so right? Here's like, your, yeah, go, radius. Go, where are we going to go? Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, I mean, he, he, Perry was no different than anyone right he was a dreamer and a schemer and yeah. uh he had his eyes sought on a site that clearly didn't work out otherwise we'd know about it but yeah i mean that that's that's everyone's pinnacle right there there's a true there's a true preferred site there's no there in my opinion there's no real debate it's a sandy sandy dunes like site on the ocean yeah i don't I mean, it begs the question, where was this? Yeah, I mean, where, he's talking about planes it? getting there. Yeah. Hour to two hour flight. You're going to land on water. So, you know, it's near a body of water. I mean, we can probably get pretty close. I mean, I'm guessing that it wasn't just that great of property for, for, for 200 acres. I mean, yeah. I'm guessing it, you know, it's miles of, of, of that type of property. I mean, if you have a billion dollars and, and have, have a couple million you want to blow, let's, let's, let's I think let's we have, have to find co- somebody who can do that. Let's have a conversation. We can do the next Pine Valley there, right? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's people that are, um, that are trying to do stuff like that right now. A lot of the, you know, deep privacy uh, clubs and uh, people are trying to develop some, some really cool stuff that's just pure golf experiences. And uh, it's, 
it is it's exciting and it's and it's cool to read something like that it's it's just oh like, my gosh right yeah and i know i know someone like you just like oh, i'm just, salivating yeah, right yeah. i read that i was like i hope he knows something because i need to find the x on that map right uh, i i can't help you out i'm sorry but um unfortunately unfortunately i uh i'm not psychic and and can find that property but I know how much you, how much effort you put into that Lido documentary. And it's, it's, it's a similar, it's a similar uh, story, right? Um, except that this one was never built. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I've read that too, and uh, I've I've had the same thought. But I mean, it's uh, it's it's tough to track it down. Yeah, right? and then and then yeah. if you do track it down, then what? You just go see. We build it. Yeah. Well. Take Vaughn's money. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> environmental regulations. I don't know. Like, right. there's probably right. there's probably so <laughs> there's many, always something. Yeah. Right. right there's yeah. there's always going to be something. like in development. I always say uh, it's not a good deal unless it dies twice. Right. <laughs> it's going to die yeah. like in the middle of the project before you know you know it's a really good project. So let's finish with this. Perry Maxwell means a lot to you. You're writing a book about Perry Maxwell. How has his career inspired you in going about your career? Like, what do you take away from Perry Maxwell going forward as a golf course architect? How do you use his influences, his inspiration, his work to push forward on your future? How do you see that? I mean, I, I, I love Perry Maxwell, and I, and, I, and I love his history, and I love his golf courses, but I don't feel that I have a personal relationship with a dead person. Sure. You know, I don't get that romantic about that type of stuff. Yeah. But as far as his influence on my career, I mean, this industry has largely been dominated by Northeasterns and, and, and people on, on the West Coast. And to have an Oki, which used to be a derogatory term during the Dust Bowl, but to have an Oki uh, to, to kind of become the guy, which I hope to have, I hope to have a, a, a shared amount of success in this industry and to be able to make it even though he, he grew up independently wealthy, which obviously is, is a help, but it, it, it doesn't make or break it. It just provided him an ability to do it. And uh, now, now golf architecture is an industry where like, I went to college for it, clearly. And, um, and so the way he influences me as far as a golf course architect from a side of his style, because I, I like to take a lot from his, his style, is he, he was able to make it happen operating out of oklahoma which you know the golf courses are far more dense on the east coast and there's far more wealth and there's you know but also it it, in a sense it sort of creates a soft spot for me because there uh, there's not a whole lot of golf course architects in the part of the country i live in you know maybe maybe 10 maybe um so he gives me hope in that regard that I, I can make it whenever there's days where it feels like I can't. And then, um, also, you know, seeing all his golf courses 80 years later, so many of them have changed. So many of them have changed and it's heartbreaking, but also relieving because, you know, as people, I, I feel, I, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to get too philosophical, but I, we're all trying to make our mark, right? Sure. We're all trying to be remembered after we pass. And, and it's almost relieving that it's like to not have the control that very quickly, almost the second you leave that site, it's out of your hands and it's in the greens committee chairman's hands. Yeah. Or nature and, or yeah, or nature, absolutely. Or the superintendent or whatever. So, I mean, there's, um, I don't know. So it, 
those are kind of the two things that it's 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 almost a relief it's like okay and then you, you know so it's 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 saddening but it's also like well it's just a golf course you know? yeah at the end of the day yeah, yeah. i mean there, it's not a real problem yeah but there there has to be something great about building a golf course like this one you have in kentucky there's a pretty good chance a very good chance if you have a de- long and, and successful design career that those courses that work will live on beyond your life like there is some sort of almost immortality in that of leaving your mark for other people to enjoy that canvas that you painted do you take that do you go that deep or is that just the golf historians no no i i think there's some truth to it but i'm i don't want to build monuments to myself sure you know and I, i try not to think about it that way yeah I try to be, um, I try to be true to myself and try to try to be humble and, but yeah, I'd rather be remembered for something else. Yeah, like, that's fine. I have, that's 100%. I, I have yeah. a one-year-old now. I feel yeah. like my perspective's kind of changed. And that does change things, doesn't um, it? And so, um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a crazy thought, but I mean, you know, it's going to last longer than the golf course in Kentucky, this podcast. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> so, Boom. So, so, <laughs> so, I don't know if he meant duration or if he meant more people will be listening to it for ages. Well, I mean, Either way might be true. Well, I mean, it'll, <laughs> it, you know, it goes on the internet. It's there forever. Right? It is there forever. Thank you for saying that instead of this is taking a lot of my time and it's valuable. Yeah. There was two ways to read that. Right. I would have taken the other way. You know, I, I've been drawing golf courses since I was six years old. Yeah, like in my parents' living room. It used to be my Father's Day gift every day to my dad was to, 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 build, to draw him a golf course. So, and he still has his drawings. And, and someday, uh, someday you'll be I, famous I, and those will be template holes yeah, and people will design not. those 18. Yeah, I hope not. Some <laughs> of them are pretty whack. But um, the, the, my initial intrigue, I've always been... I've always been super excited by design. Like I, I even like the way the, like I'm, I'm even analyzing like the way the furniture is organized in this room and like where the dishes are and stuff. Um, that stuff excites me Mm -hmm. versus, you know, anything else. But as a, as a child, what, what really got me pumped up and excited was, um, uh, miniature golf. Really? Yeah. So You're gonna I, design miniature golf courses, I always, uh, which, which oddly, like putting courses, are like a thing now. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Like, absolutely. I like, can't wait to have yeah. a shot at one of those without like the clown's mouth. Yeah. Like no that clown's out. mouth. Yeah, okay. But I mean, that, I was all about the windmills back in the day. But um, so I obviously matured out of that, and you know, go- golf's the one sport my dad said I had to play uh, because he thought it was important for business, and then I ended up making it my business. Uh, so, so that, he was correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That came to be uh, an important statement for him in yeah, your life. Yeah, no doubt. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind being a, like a golf course superintendent or something yeah. like that, but there, there's nothing better than working for yourself. Sure. You know what I mean? And so I, I also like the entrepreneurial aspect of, of being a golf course architect because at the end of the day, we're all business owners. Um, there's very few of us that like, I think there's still like the Nicholas design and the Palmer design where they, they're, they're still, you know, the designers but are, are still employees but for the most part we're all independent shops and I, I think it's really fun and cool and a lot of us get along really well and and uh some of the best people golf course architects yeah i, mean, I think so yeah yeah i've had quite a few of them on the show and i've enjoyed every single second i've had with them yeah one thing i was so excited for till covid ruined it was uh i was gonna go to uh sand hills this year with 59 other golf course architects and um 
get a tour and, and play for like two or three days from a core in Crenshaw at Sand Hills. At wow. Sand Hills, yeah. while I was building my first golf course, me yeah. and Brian were building our first golf course, and so I had like super romantic thoughts about that, but uh, it didn't work out. I think they're going to reschedule it for next year, hopefully. But but yeah, I mean it, it's it's a cool community. And, uh, you know, we're competitive. A lot of us are competitors, but you know, I, I don't consider any of, any of them enemies. I mean, right. they, without, without, um, competition, there's no growth Forgot where we're even going. No, that. that's good. That's perfect. But, um, what was even the question? <laughs> oh, why, 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 yeah, why what, am what, I a golf yeah. course architect? Yeah. I don't know. That's a weird question. That's like, is it? That's <laughs> like, I don't know. It's I like, guess I, you said I've always been one. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. It's like, yeah. who, who are you? Who are you? No, who are you really? Don't, don't tell me what you do. Tell that's me right. who you are. Tell me that's right. No, don't tell me your personality. Tell me, <laughs> tell me who are you. What's your essence? I'm going to start that in every podcast. I'm, I'm like, you know what, folks? I'm keeping this in the podcast. Boom. More than anything, and, and I know that I speak for Vaughn here too, um, we really appreciate you leaving your golf course in Kentucky, driving 11 hours. Waking um, up, I mean, I, I, we were in the room talking to like 1 a.m. We had to wake up at 6 a.m. Yeah. to get ready to go play golf out here. You joining us on the course, talking about Perry Maxwell. It was like a Perry Maxwell, Prairie Dudes 101 lecture while we're playing golf and having a good time and having laughs. And then take your time to come on the podcast. And I just want to thank you so much. It's been absolute pleasure. Oh, well, that's... It's very nice of you, but do know that like uh, the pleasure is truly all mine. Like I, today was maybe the most fun I've had on a golf course in my entire life. It was so much fun, wasn't it? And yeah, and then this podcast is uh, you know you're, you're you're promoting me, so like I yeah. appreciate that in the yeah. book. So like, uh, no, you do not need to thank me. I need to thank you. So thank you. Um, when's the book come out? Before we end, one more time. What to, uh, let's say what you're shooting for. What's realistic? Let's just go one more time in the name yeah. uh, of the book. Uh, Miles and Maxwell, and we're we're gonna try. I, I still think it's pretty ambitious, but we're gonna try to get it done before um, before Christmas, and then more realistic is probably Father's Day of twenty one, and uh, that's what we're shooting for right now. And there there's still a couple of things that I gotta get a, a couple ducks in a row, get a couple of, a few more interviews need to be done. For the most part, the book's written, but as far as getting the uh, laid out and getting yeah. an art director involved a lot of those things still need to be organized so um but yeah we're sh- I, I, and also I, I didn't know that a new new golf course project was going to fall on my lap on january on january 5th this year and, yeah absolutely and so uh i've had less free time on my hands than i anticipated and i probably underestimated how much being a father was going to take so yeah um but I, I need to get on it. It's something I've been on the record saying I'm going to do. So, I mean, I, I got to do it. And I've already invested so much time and, and, and money. So, I mean, but it, it's, it's happening and I'm excited to do it. And uh, I hope to uh, eventually, maybe maybe in 50 years, but do a, do another one on another architect where I go visit every Tillinghast course or go, yeah. or go, you know, and I think that would be really fun and just don't don't focus on the story of the person. Just focus on the golf courses. The work. Yeah. yeah. And uh uh, it's it's maybe not as great of storytelling, but I think it's just like informative and cool coffee table books, and you can yeah. flip through just something fun. And so, there's so many people that love those architects, Perry Maxwell included. Yeah, to give them something to really dive into and really either relive that golf experience that they had at Prairie Dunes or Southern Hills, or get excited about the next time they tee it up. 
at a Perry Maxwell course. It gives you them that opportunity to kind of dive a little bit deeper into his work and who he was as a golf course architect. Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much, uh, folks. This is Talking Golf History. We just spent a deal of time talking about one of the greatest golf course architects that ever lived, the Midwest genius, Perry Maxwell, understated, maybe misunderstood, but never underappreciated in the eyes of architectural enthusiasts. Perry Maxwell's work has been in the shadows for too long. His work, along with the likes of Langford and Moreau, George C. Thomas, Stanley Thompson, as well as many others, deserve a brighter spotlight. Maxwell may be the only architect in history who did work on what many believe to be America's three greatest golf courses, Pine Valley, Augusta National, and Cypress Point. He was an innovator designing golf with public accessibility in mind 80 years before it became a hot topic in golf, and he and his son, Press, left us perhaps the greatest father and son golf course this world has ever seen in Prairie Dunes. Perry Maxwell deserves the spotlight. He deserves to have his name read with the names of all the golf design greats. Few have given us better greens, and who can forget those majestically crinkled fairways? Golf is a game, but with Maxwell, it also became an adventure. Yours in golf history, this is Connor T. Lewis. Connor T. Lewis